0: The SLP Corner podcast. This week's guest is Elisa Sonnenberg. She is also known as Sunny Day Speech. She is back for another podcast, and this week we're going to be talking all about language and literacy. So, just a quick quick summary of everything about Elisa in case you didn't listen to our last podcast. She is a school based speech language pathologist. She specializes in feeding. She is a mother of two boys and she is a fellow Canadian SLP. Make sure you check out her Teachers Pay Teachers page her Instagram and her Facebook page, all with the name Sunny Day Speech. So with that, welcome back to the SLP Corner Podcast.
1: Hi Shannon, I'm so happy to be
0: back. I'm so excited to have you back. I learned so much from you in our last podcast, so I'm excited that we're doing another one together. Oh, that's so sweet. We're going to be talking all about language and literacy today. Some people might be wondering why we've decided to pair language and literacy in one podcast. So what's the relationship between language and literacy?
1: I think a lot of people don't realize how much um, language really impacts literacy. I talk to a lot of parents and in kindergarten here, we don't have a big push to have reading in kindergarten. That's not part of our curriculum in Saskatchewan. Our kids are a little younger, so they can be four all the way until Christmas. So I think a lot of my parents that I talk to aren't really thinking that way yet. And when a child comes in and they have a language delay, I don't think that they realize that they are at risk for future literacy delays as well. And the reason that that is is because there is a really strong relationship between language and literacy skills. So if you think about it in terms of receptive language or receptive pieces, so if we're thinking about listening skills, that's an input skill, just like reading is an input. We're reading to get that information, we're listening to get information. When we're looking at the expressive pieces, speaking and writing are the output. So, speaking, we're telling stories just like in writing, we're relating our experiences or trying to relay a message to somebody. So, that relationship is closely connected. It's not an absolute, but there is a correlation between language delays or disorders and future literacy delays and disorders. So, it is really important that we have those strong oral language skills to have the foundation for learning to read. When we're talking about speech sound disorders, there is another impact area. So if I have a child that has a phonological speech sound disorder, so that's just a fancy way of saying that they have a lot of sound errors that are in a particular pattern. Sounds are divided by classes. And if they have multiple sound errors in multiple classes, often they will be diagnosed with that disorder. And that shows me that they have a weak sound system. It's the same with like a motor speech disorder, like apraxia speech for kids. And even some of the recent research has shown and gone as far to show that distortions, such as like a lateral lisp, so that's the one where it goes out the sides, or an R distortion, so that's when they can't say their R sound on a lot of words, especially those vowel words, like bear, door, those kind of things. Um, that those kids also have weak sound systems. So if you have a weak sound system, it's going to be a little bit more challenging when you're learning letters and letter sounds. That was so clear and straightforward the way you explained it.
0: Receptive language and literacy aka listening and reading are an input skill and then speaking and writing are an output skill. So it makes sense that they'd be tied together. Mm-hmm. okay so I think a popular question might be that people might want to know more about would be Are letter sounds the most important predictor of future literacy success what's your take on that
1: absolutely not um while letters sound knowledge and letter knowledge and letter sound knowledge are really important they are not the most important predictor of future literacy success I think that as parents there's a big push to get your child ready for kindergarten And one of the first things I see parents talking about is drilling their ABCs and knowing the alphabet song. But really, that doesn't always relay into reading skills. Um, I would say that the most important predictor or foundation skill that we can give kids is having those early experiences with books and language. We want this to be really positive and have a lot of books that they have seen and been exposed to. So reading with your kids is a major start. The first thing that I look for with children is print motivation. So that's if they're taking the interest in the book, they know how to hold the book, they're flipping those pages, they like to play with them, they love being read to. Even if they don't love it, like you can really engage them. So try to put those actions into the activity if you can. So even finding like A song book uh, like Down by the Bay, and where you're singing the song and turning the pages. It doesn't have to be a sit there, listen to the story. That's one of the biggest mistakes I think I see parents make when they're working with really little kids is that they try to read the words page by page. And what I want the parent to do is to flip through those pages. If you need to abbreviate the words or the sentences in that paragraph and pare it down, pare it down. You want to read through those books multiple times, multiple ways, point out vocabulary. Ask questions, do checks for comprehension throughout that story, and just enjoy that time with your kids. The other thing that you want in print motivation is to have positive writing experiences, so making sure that they have crayons and materials to write and link it to their plate. One of my pre k teachers she does an awesome job of this whenever she has a restaurant, they have paper to take the orders and they pretend to write, even though they can't write of the letters they're they're writing and they're checking things off, the same with the vet clinic that she has like we need to check and see what their temperature is and those kind of things. So it's some of those pictures that we can incorporate. So making a really fun, positive experience and not sit and do worksheets, right? We want to be good models. So have literacy items in your house. Even if you don't have a lot of books, like magazines, newspapers, flyers, whatever you get in the mail, Christmas cards, like there's a lot of literacy opportunities in our world that we're looking through. Even on your phone, Say that you're reading an article, say that you're reading text, show them the text. And then, you know, pop in some of those emojis, right? Because kids love to see that too. So that's a good way to engage them in that skill. Um, The next thing is vocabulary. So the more we read to kids, the bigger the vocabulary is going to be. And that's actually really important when we start learning to read. Um, I didn't actually even really click with me until I taught my son when he was six how to read how important the vocabulary piece is to close the sentence. So if you don't know and you can't guess or sound out that word, you can have a good guess. And he was a great guesser. I remember reading this Clifford book with him and it says Clifford was going to the, and it was a G word and he, it was garage, but he said gas station because there was a picture of the gas station and started with G and he knew enough. And it really, it made sense. So you can kind of still keep that context. The next part is print awareness. So that's, like I said, like looking at the book, knowing in English that it goes from the top to the bottom and left to right. So when you're reading the words, take your finger and drag it on that text and have them follow along. If you want to get them to do that when they're a little bit bigger, I wouldn't start that right away. But if they want to follow the words or even pretend to kind of follow the words, that's a good strategy. And even just having that awareness of what a word is. Um, Can they point to a word on the page? Can they turn the pages? Um, Do they know not to skip or like go to the very end of the story, right? Like to go through that picture walk. That's a good strategy for that print awareness as well. The last thing is looking at the narrative skills. So, helping a child understand and tell a story is really important in their day-to-day lives. They're going to be asked about certain things and have to recall parts of their day. So asking them what happened at daycare that day, talk about your favorite trip to grandma's house, talk about your birthday party, like anything fun. And if you need to bring up pictures, I think you brought that up in our last podcast, like bringing up things on your phone. I do that all the time with my boys. I will pull up Facebook, Go through a folder from when they were younger and talk about the experiences that we had, and like tell them about things sometimes they remember, sometimes they don't, and then ask them to retell the things that they've done with you.
0: One thing that I also want to kind of really, really emphasize with what you said was like, by all means, read the same book over and over and over again. Research has actually shown that it's so helpful to read the same book over and over again, and kind of like how you said, read it in different ways, read it with different levels of engagement and involvement with them read it at different times it's so helpful for them to start learning with if you are continuing to read this the same book then they, they can learn mm-hmm. so much because I've probably said a million times in this podcast but kids need to hear and see things over and over again and in our last podcast we really emphasized how important practices so so mm-hmm. yeah, by all means I think parents and everyone should know that you can read the same book over and over again and it's really helpful
1: exactly and like I my kids will like learn the story. Like my one little boy, his favorite story is The Hungry Caterpillar and I can leave out that first or like a few words now, right? We've read it so many times that he knows it off by heart, but he'll tell me the story now. I don't even have to say any of the words. He wants to tell the story and that's so good for language and narrative skills, right? Like he can do that one, not like books that are really predictable. Another one that's really great is like Brown Bear, Brown Bear. Mm -hmm. Anything that repeats a lot, That's a great starting one to to try these with.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. I love the Hungry Caterpillar for plural S2. That's really helpful because there's so many plurals on every page. (laughs) There are. (laughs) And the print awareness is really interesting because you broke it down, like why we're pointing to words, why we're showing them the order of the pages, we're showing them where the words are that we're saying. It makes a lot of sense. Okay, so I kind of want to talk about pre-literacy skills and I also want to talk about what skills... You should be working on to help your child gain pre-literacy skills.
1: So could we kind of dive into that topic? For sure. Um, So one of the first things that I will is um, teaching kids that symbols exist and that the symbols mean something. Uh, One of the first things we do is environmental print. So I don't know a single kid in my small town that wouldn't know that the big golden arches of an M are for McDonald's. Like that is a really, really highly motivating one that you can see. And I said, mm, M for McDonald's from the time that they could talk really essentially. And they would know that one. But like recognizing packaging um, and restaurants and common places that you go, even street signs like the word stop, it says stop there. It's a big red sign. It's an octagon right, like you can talk about the shape, and they know that that means I have to stop now. The next part is phonological awareness, and this is something that's really near to my heart as an SLP. It's one of the things that I really support in classrooms, so in the last um, five or six years, I go into all my kindergarten classrooms, and I do this with the kids, so I start with like full group lessons, and we start with really basic Um, skills. So when I'm talking about phonological awareness, I'm talking about manipulating sounds. Um, So the very first thing I usually do is match rhymes. So blue shoe, does that sound the same? Yes or no. And I give them the thumbs up or the thumbs down. And then we'll work on to making up our own rhymes. So you know, Shane, Zane, oh, that's a silly word. What's a Zane? It doesn't even have to be a real word. It can just be a made up word. And then we'll go into true rhymes. There's a lot of other phonological awareness skills that we work on. So some of them are even just identifying the different words in the sentence. So we'll take pom poms or chips and we'll say, he is fun. And I'll have them lay out one of those for each of the words that we say, and we'll do a a few practice sentences. That's like a fun and easy one that we can do. We'll also blend and play word games, I call them, right? So my favorite one for blending is like, I'm gonna play the game Secret Word. I'm gonna say two parts of a word, and you have to tell me what I'm saying. Cow, boy, cowboy, right? So they have to put it together, and tricking them into thinking that it's actually really just a fun word game, And these are the best because if we're truly working on phonological awareness skills, we don't need any other supports or cues. We just have to have oral language and listening skills to do them. So these are the ideal card games. These are my favorite things to do with my kids. So both my kids, um, we started these really early on when they were little. The other things that we look at are syllables. So how many beats are a word? Like, Balloon, we clap, two claps, balloon. The way that I teach syllables is I have the kid put their hand under their chin, and then for every time your chin touches your hand, balloon, it touches. And that's just a really concrete way of teaching them that. We want to get that syllable structure so then when we start decoding in syllables and chunking, it kind of gives them that precursor to chunking. Um, We want them to break it into those little parts. That's what we do as an adult. Even when we see a word that we don't know, we're going to chunk it. Um, The last one that I'm going to talk about is deletion. So this is kind of the opposite of the blending game. So if we say, say watermelon. Okay, say it again, but don't say water. And I'll like have it in my hand and I'll pretend that I'm taking one of it away. That's mine. And if they say water, I'm like, no, no, water's mine. What's the other part? And they'll be like, melon. So... That's a really fun one. Um, And then the last one that we do is identifying those beginning sounds and ending sounds like B, oh, my little boy, is his name is Ben. So what other things start with B, Ben, ball, balloon, baby? And we kind of go over those alliteration things. So that's where you can bring in some of those songs and other play-based things um, to work on phonological awareness. Um, Letter knowledge definitely starts to be very important when we're in kindergarten and working our way up to grade one, where I am. It might be different depending where you are in the US. I know that they want the kids to have a lot of those skills before entering kindergarten, Um, but then you have to look at the developmentally um appropriateness of that. So I do encourage parents to have those conversations because there is a developmental sequence to learning letters and letter sounds. And we just wanna make sure we're not pushing kids um, more than what they can developmentally should even be able to do. Um, but when we are working on letters, some kids love this. Um, I lo- often like to start with lowercase because that's what we use the most when we're reading. So identifying those lowercase um, letters and starting with their name or other people in your family's names and just make it really fun. Like you're gonna draw in the sand or draw on shaving cream or paint, the letters or have those magnet letters and dig them in a sensory bin and just make sure it's always in the basis of play. Um, So then we're not sitting there and doing like worksheet after worksheet. Um, I'm not a big fan of drill and practice. Um, If you are gonna do worksheets, I know some people are going to do that. Uh, I'm not gonna say I've never done that before. My older son would not do a worksheet to save his life. My younger son does like that kind of stuff sometimes. Um, and I was just looking for a new book and some of those books are like a textbook so I encourage you to at least take the pages out of the book because it looks like quite a stack and it's just like too much of a feat for them so if you have older kids that are struggling and they're in grade one and you're working on that just take a couple of the pages out so then they have those available and the last thing I want to talk about is positive screen time so I'm a mom I'm not going to say never go on screen time but if you are doing screen time, there are some great apps. One of my favorite ones is Endless Alphabet um, on iOS. I think it's on Android as well. And they're all little like fun games. And like when you pull the letters, they make the sound. So if it's like book, it's but, 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 the whole entire time you're dragging the letter to that word. And it does lots of like fun, different things for them. So it's not so much drill and practice. You're kind of tricking them into learning. And then if you're watching TV shows, I still am a big fan of Sesame Street. I grew up with Sesame Street and watching it as an adult in an SLP, when I'm watching that show, I'm like, this is so good. They do so many of the things that we need to do. (laughs) And they'll repeat things. Like we were talking about repeating with books. Sesame Street does that. They will take the same segment and they will change it just a little bit. You can tell that they have really good early childhood educators on their staff. So that's a great show. Um, Other ones that I like, um, that on Netflix are super wide it 's got a lot of those rhyming skills and letter knowledge things and story bots and I love the leapfrog videos, the letter factory one in particular. I think that taught my oldest son his letters and letter sounds. He loved that movie. It's not that long, and there's a whole bunch of them that are also really great.
0: Okay, so what was the app again, just in case anyone missed it?
1: Endless Alphabet. Endless Alphabet. Okay, I love that you
0: included resources, and also it sounds like that can be very motivating, because your son found it very motivating, it seems like.
1: Yeah, I have two little boys, and we know that little boys, like, they're just slower to mature sometimes, right? Like, sometimes research has shown that little boys can be, like, up to two years behind our little girls, so... It is hard, and my kids, both of them, are not the sit-there and, like, perfect students. Like, they have a lot of energy. Um, my husband struggled with reading when he was younger and was in speech, actually, too. And he went on to, like, go to college and do really well. But I think if he would have had some of these strategies and supports when he was younger, it would have been a lot easier for him. Mm-hmm. So... My boys, I like to say that they're lucky, even though they don't feel like they're lucky sometimes because mom is on them all the time. But yeah, we like to support them. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. I like how you talked about how, and we mentioned this in our last podcast too, during your kind of day to day activities, you're kind of spelling out your thought process. So even how you're talking about when you're trying to teach kids that symbols stand for something else. It's like something you'd be thinking and the kid wouldn't be exposed to, but just spelling it out for them and really kind of talking through can make such a big difference And in just exposure.
1: Absolutely. My youngest right now with the stop sign, it's also changed from, he knows that it says stop now, but now we're looking at that S. And we're trying to find S's on other street signs because it's on street all the time, right? So we kind of pick one letter and we're trying to find it kind of like in our environment too, to make it a little bit more fun.
0: Mm-hmm. So you've mentioned kind of like with workbooks, you, you, we, want, we want these things to be fun and we, wanna, we want to make these types of tasks enjoyable so kids can feel motivated to do them. And you kind of talked about how if you're going to do a workbook, some strategies, like take a few pages out of having this big intimidating workbook, but what are other tips for parents to just build a love of reading for their child? Because you mentioned how important it is just to have them be interested in reading and interested in books. So what would you, what would you give parents just to end off the podcast on on, uh, that note?
1: Absolutely. Um, So model, 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 show that you're a reader, be positive about reading. I have to tell my husband all the time, like don't put your bad attitude about reading onto our kids, especially if you struggled as as a reader when you were growing up, try to keep those opinions to yourself, even though it's hard sometimes, but having those literacy items in your house, going to the library, making it a special trip, and talking really positively about it. The number one thing I say for parents is to have that snuggle up bedtime routine, you read a book it doesn't have to be a bedtime even but just like one book a day if you read one book 20 minutes a day that 20 minutes they've shown it just gives you so much more print awareness vocabulary all those um, knowledge pieces that we need and it's also a source of comfort and not stress because it is quite hard for a lot of kids when they're learning to read and we don't want it to be a source of stress we want it to be encouraging and try to stay positive right Even though it can get really frustrating, um, my oldest was a bit of a struggling reader. And we had many days where it did not go as perfectly as I wish it would have. If you're trying to keep a positive, that's my best advice as a mom. Like I said already, like talking out that you're reading texts, reading articles on your phone, talking about reading street signs or reading your bills and how important reading is throughout your everyday life, just so then they know, like, I'm gonna need to do this, (laughs) right? When we get to older kids, I think that one of the biggest motivators can be something that they're really interested in, so high interest material. If they have a favorite character, a favorite series, literacy has changed so much over the last like 10 or 20 years from when I was a child. We have so many series, there are so many topics out there fiction, nonfiction. Um, One of my favorite series is the Branches books, and those ones are like a lower level. Chapter book, but when you're bridging between reading regular picture books into the chapter books, I love those series because they have two levels of them and they have the pictures, there's more pictures and there's more context clues, but they look like their peers too. Because my one son, he wanted to read chapter books so bad in grade two, he wasn't quite ready for a regular chapter book like a June E.B. Jones or something that was really hard when it was mostly text, maybe one picture in a chapter. And that was a really good bridge for him. And we can get those at those just right level. And then finding the series that he likes. He loves these mighty robot books that are awesome, awesome books for boys. And I know I'm talking about boys a lot. There are a lot of really cute ones for girls out there too. There's like an Owl Diaries one that I really like that Branches makes as well. So just having that high motivation for our older students you might wanna go with a magazine or a graphic novel because that gives them more of those context clues while they're reading and that's gonna help them decode because they might just be lagging. And if you're a struggling reader, we want them to feel successful, but we also want them to not feel like they're reading a book way, way below their developmental level compared to their peers, especially in schools. If they wanna read those at home, that's good and fine at home. Um, but also, those topics and the problems and the stories kind of start to be a little bit babyish for them, maybe, right? So, that's a good strategy. Even audiobooks, like those are a great um, resource for older kids if they are struggling, if they're not going to be able to access the book that they need for their curriculum, we're allowed to put in a support like that, like an audio version of the book. And then they can, you know, scribe or use some kind of technology to support them in reading, because there are a lot of ways to do that now. And with technology, we're so lucky. Lots of times parents uh, will be a little resistant to that, to me. And I love to give the example of my own doctor. He doesn't write any of his notes. He literally has a voice recorder and records everything. And it goes from text to speech. And I'm like, if the doctor can do it, then your child can do it too, right? Like, that's a great support. Why wouldn't we do that if we have that available to us? Lastly, one of my favorite apps for struggling readers or any reader really is this app called Rivet. R-I-V-E-T, it's completely free. It runs on the Fontes and Pinnell letters. So if you're familiar with like the A, B, C, like those ones, I think it goes up to like M or N, doesn't go all the way to Z, but it is just a fantastic app. One of the best things that they did is that they took YouTube channels, which I'm not a big fan of YouTube. I think it kind of is fluff. It doesn't usually have a beginning, a middle and an end for stories but they turned them into stories for kids and oh boy, it is very motivating. I have pulled that out a few times and they have made it into something functional. So making slime, watching kids open surprise eggs has now become functional. So go download that one and see, there was a lot of favorite kids channels on there that they have turned into books. And in addition to the YouTube books, there's also the science books and the rockets and the princesses and all those other ones, um, any category you can think of. And it's completely free.
0: Thank you for giving us all, you gave us so many resources. So if in any case anyone missed it, the books, you talked a lot about the brand, that was the branches books.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: okay. And then um, the app is rivet. I love the idea of audio books. It's so true because it's like, if someone is struggling with reading, you want them to be following with the course material and what's going on in class. So that's so nice. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't thought of that as a resource for kids who are struggling with reading.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then the other
0: thing is, I think with reading, if it's kind of marketed as special quality time, that can be so motivating and intriguing for kids. If it's like special time at the end of the day with your mom or your dad kids love attention so if it's yeah. something it's kind of how things are framed so often and how they're mm-hmm. like marketed to the kids so yeah I like how you talked about that about how if we talk about it really positively we'll probably get a lot more buy-in
1: <laughs> yeah a few years back I switched to all literacy-based ther- um, therapy so all of my language kids they get at least one story for me and I know kids just love that one-on-one time they love that one-on-one time with anybody even if it's not their parent but with their parent it's extra special and then having those couple minutes of check-ins on how their day is like it's just such a good routine and habit to get into for language
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and then one resource that I wanted to share is my friends who are one is a grade two teacher and one is a grade four teacher and during in Prince Rupert And during COVID, they started this program called Reading for Rupert. And they had healthcare professionals and frontline workers. They also had SLPs and teachers reading stories. And it's free. So if you go on their Instagram or their Facebook page or YouTube and you just type in Reading for Rupert, you get all of these different people reading books for free, which is nice for parents who don't have a lot of books at home.
1: Absolutely. There's a lot of good resources. Even on YouTube, if you go on there too, there's like, if you put any book in, you can almost always get the read aloud version. Somebody's got it up there.
0: Yeah. It's so nice. So because, awesome. Yeah. Cause sometimes parents either don't want to have that many books at home or they, they just don't have re- um, access to those books. So it's nice to have those options
1: yeah, it gets expensive when you're buying books too. Um, I love Scholastic too. Like if your teacher does have that as an option, look, there's usually like a $1 book on there, a $2 book. So That's a good way to build your library if you want more physical books, but if not, those are great options.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I love the way you explain things. It's so nice to have another Canadian SLP. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. It was great to be here. Yeah, and then for people to find you and follow you, your Sunny Day Speech on Instagram, Facebook, and Teachers Pay Teachers. Absolutely. Okay, so go check her out there, and I'll see everyone next Monday. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.